Hi, I'm Zoe McGummixon, and today we'll be discussing Sarah Bareilles' Little Voice. Welcome back. If this is your first time joining me, the Pop Culture Papers is where I look back at papers I wrote about when I was consuming pop culture for classes, reflect on those times and art, and talk about what has changed. Seeing as I'm nearly halfway done with this little self-reflection experiment of mine, and last week was like really, str- I don't know, it was strange for me at times. It was like there were very good parts, and there were parts where I'm just like, why? Um, I wanted to go back to what comforts me which is always music. I've finally been reverting back to listening to music for literally everything and every occasion, and I thought I'd turn to my ultimate comfort album, Little Voice by Sarah Bareilles, and the album cover analysis I did on it. So this was for my writing about music class that I took in the 11th hour of my undergrad career. I really like this class, and the professor, shout out to Mark Hausman, who was the absolute best. Um, I will talk more about him in another paper I did. Um, and as much as I liked it, it was at 8 a.m. and I was commuting from Moreno Valley, but luckily he was like the most understanding person. So moving on from that, for this paper, we were to analyze an album cover and point out significant aspects of it and what it might mean. And if you haven't been introduced to this album before, which feels nearly impossible to me, but maybe that's just me, let's talk about Little Voice. Little Voice was released as the first major label debut record by Sarah Bareilles on July 3rd, 2007. The lead single, Love Song, was released mere weeks before the album on June 19th, 2007, and that one was nominated for a Grammy for Song of the Year and Best Female Pop Vocal Performance. Other singles off of it were Bottle It Up and Gravity, the latter of which has been featured in many sad montage and television shows, but was particularly memorable in NBC show community. Please just go look those montages up if you haven't seen them because they're pretty great. This album is an all-timer for me, for sure. I first heard Love Song on a commercial for the music service Rhapsody, if any of you remember that, which means you are my age or older. And as this was very much in line with the music I was raised with, aka female singer-songwriter Piano Pop, my mom bought this album the day it was out. It felt revolutionary for me at my young age of 10. I had no idea you could swear in a song until I heard Bottle It Up, and I thought Sarah Bareilles was the absolute coolest person in the world. Love Song and Gravity are some of my go-to karaoke songs, and I just love her way with words and will gush more about her in a bit. And with this being an audio-only medium, I will be describing the cover in detail, but hopefully when you see it, it's almost instantly recognizable. And you will hear that as I was working in the music industry at this time, Uh, you can tell I was definitely raging against the machine in this paper. So we will go ahead and this is simply titled Little Voice. The 2007 album Little Voice by Sarah Bareilles was a force to be reckoned with at its release when her single Love Song became an empowerment anthem. Another aspect of her story-based songs that people brought into her music was the album cover. At least that was the case for myself as a younger listener of hers. The cover does something interesting that wasn't done often in the late 2000s through a handful of items. Separation of the title from the artist's font and making the title a physical piece as lines on the voice box. 
the balance of the box she's holding being tilted, the symbolism of the words, little voice being on the box, covering the face of the artist and what that may represent, as well as having a white border, another box she's being put in around the cover art. Sarah takes the focus off herself and all these other elements come into play. The boldness and significance of this is that she is representing her voice as something little and outside of herself as a representation of the lack of autonomy women have in the industry subtly through the cover, but through her lyrics she throws it back in the face of the record label. This is a powerful statement for women and those who supposedly champion them in the industry as even Sarah's gaze paired with her words is unflinching to pause there for context if you weren't aware already love song is about her record label that she wrote released this album on where she details it more in her memoir um that i read sounds like me my life and song so far great memoir if you were interested at all but basically they were like you need to write a love song you need to write a hit and she was just so frustrated and she wrote it basically saying like i will not do this for you and they laughed which is frustrating to think about but um and i think i detailed this more later in the paper but yeah if you didn't know not about a boy not about anybody except the music industry so we'll keep going from there in the article nothing you can see that isn't shown the album covers of the beatles by ian inglis he states that one of the functions of an album cover by saying album covers function as an accompaniment to the music this may range from the inclusion of a simple photograph of the performer to which the listener may refer when playing the lp to the reproduction of the album's lyrics which can be followed studied and sung in this way the sleeve is not a superfluous thing to be discarded during the act of listening but an integral component of the listing which assists and expands musical experience. In the case of Little Voice, the artwork is most definitely an accompaniment to her music. The title of the album alone is a juxtaposition from her songs as there is nothing little about them. A representation of this is from her song Bottle It Up when she sings. There'll be girls across the nation that'll eat this up. Babe, I know that it's your soul, but could you bottle it up? Get down to the heart of it. No, it's my heart. Your shit out of your luck. Don't make me tell you again. My love, 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 love. She sings this sweetly, but strong in a way that makes you believe her eyes on the cover are challenging you to tell her any different in which it symbolizes a refined angst that is threaded through the rest of her songs. I'll pause here to say, if you haven't listened to this album, which I, again, I'm highly recommending you should, I absolutely love Fairy Tale, which is another kind of challenge to... Uh, just you know those ideals so <laughs> we'll keep going the music industry is largely assumed to be a boys club in which men advance quickly and are lauded for their work and women often have to work for many years before being recognized for doing the same work oft with often more time and effort again this was me being a little uh upset about some things um, particularly being a woman, a woman in the music industry, it's like when you're quote unquote with the band, 
as as a, a working woman, it's oh so frustrating. I can't even get into it right now. But <laughs> this is demonstrated in the article "Gender and Consecration in Popular Music" by Vaughn Schmutz and Alison Foppel when the authors state. In popular music, however, female musicians receive less media coverage than their male counterparts, and critical attention to female performers is often limited to peripheral genres. In fact, as popular music gained a greater acceptance in elite newspapers, an increasing portion of coverage focused on male musicians. The lack of critical attention and acclaim for female performers is particularly troubling given the role critics play in cultural fields and in processes of consecration. Yes, this is another discrepancy we have. Not only do female musicians get sidelined in recognition for their work, but I also believe female fans. I will go to my grave with this. Being having grown up as a fangirl, I'm gonna get so frustrated. <laughs> but it's we're discredited so often because it's like they think, you know, you're in it for the the looks and like how cute they are or whatever and but honestly you're making these bands popular you're giving them a livelihood and then until a man validates that opinion of like wait this musician's actually good you're they make you feel small um which so often happens and i'm just like you know what if you could listen to music objectively maybe we could talk about this but yeah, that's my little soapbox rant on that. I, w I could write uh, an entire thing on this with multiple interviews from everyone I know, but I will not do that today. I will spare you argument with myself because it's just me and you can't listen to that for that long. So we will keep going with this understanding. It is clear that artists like Sarah and other women are often pushed to the side in favor of men a similar and sometimes lesser caliber. She speaks on her frustration on her single love song when singing about her record label and how they kept trying to change her style, genre, and voice and telling her to write love songs so as to create a hit until it came to a head and she tells them that she's not going to do that to appease them. These statements likely came from a group of men at that label as she was working on with the record. She reveals in her book, Sounds Like Me, My Life So Far in the Song, that when she showed the song to her label, it was the first of hers that they loved. She revealed that it was about the label and male label rep laughed. This is something that women are unfortunately used to in the industry and life. The laughter seems funny in 2006, but would not go over well in present day or shock would be feigned at the very least. The most representative visual element of the dichotomy between the album cover is the balance of the box she's holding being tilted with the title being shown through with the DIY label maker. It's something she can control, something she has autonomy over. It represents her voice becoming something outside of herself, although it may not seem like much. Once it is released outside that box, it would be out there for the world to experience and accept whether people like it or not, much like the autonomous independent woman. It looks simple yet confident in its direction in her hands, like it wasn't a mistake that, and that her voice will come out of the box instead of the mouth she's covering. The deliberate choices on the cover show a level of control she's fighting for as a female artist and is literally taking matters into her own hands. Her subtle use of balance along with the different elements on the cover show a juxtaposition in her artistry 
and her songs that one takes when they are truly confident in themselves and subconsciously know of their own of their own power early on. Artists who use their platform in this way to position themselves for the future and help other artists similar to them are the reason meaningful album artwork and art itself continue to exist. And as you can see, I really love the word autonomy. <laughs> I still use it to this day. Um, autonomy and agency. And I'm trying to think of other words along that line. Um, choice? Yes. <laughs> That's the easiest synonym for it. And I don't know why I can't remember it. But yeah. What has changed from there? Sarah Bareilles has become an absolute powerhouse in entertainment. She now has six albums out, starred in Jesus Christ Superstar as Mary Magdalene, two television shows, Little Voice and Girls 5 Eva, Girls 5 Eva, which I highly recommend, and, and New York Times best-selling memoir that I loved, and she wrote the music and lyrics for what's now my favorite musical waitress. With a number of Grammy, Emmy, and Tony nominations, she won her first Grammy for Best American Roots Performance for St. Honesty off of her 2019 record, Amidst the Chaos. She sold over 1 million albums and over 9 million singles in the U.S. alone, which is a feat when you consider how much we should shifted to streaming. I still have yet to see her live, but I will be so excited when I finally do so. As for me, I'm obviously still very tied to music and you know most of what's changed by now. So I'm trying to think more of how I've related to her work over the years again. I saw Waitress on Broadway in February 2019 and I think it spoiled all future musicals for me because I it was just absolutely incredible. As a quick side note, go see Waitress on tour if you can because shout out to Giselle Ione who plays Jenna. We ran in similar musical circles at our high school. She was, she is so talented and that was many moons ago and she's always going to be a star so, and deservedly so, she is so sweet. So my mom and I will be seeing that in Riverside and I cannot wait. Another small connection to Sarah's work is when she released Amidst the Chaos and I've talked about this before about how you could feel specific endings coming as you relate to songs or media you like and there were a few that soundtracked what became a minor heartache just a few weeks later, but it's safe to say right now that I'm definitely not in that place, which is, what a relief. <laughs> like, you're finally not waiting for the end of something. Um, and now I can just go back to relating to her happier tunes. Thanks so much for listening to this 13th episode. Please rate and review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now rate on Spotify, which is super exciting to see. So big thank you to Mandala for letting me use She Don't Mind as my theme song. You find that at Mandala CT. This was all written, written, edited, produced, and artwork by V. You could find us on Instagram at Pop Culture Papers, um, Twitter at Pop Culture Paper. If you're interested in reading papers with its full set of references and slides, I will be trying to do better about uploading them. Uh, no promises. Definitely by the end, they will all be up there. <laughs> but anyway, I'll see you in two weeks as we live to write another day. Bye!